Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here as the dust continues to settle a little bit. I won't say the dust is fully settling on this uh, championship for the Milwaukee Bucks. The party, as far as I can see, is well and truly continuing to go on, and it should through the weekend. Uh, I would highly recommend everyone celebrates this for as long as possible, but we're going to continue to discuss it here. We had a day off yesterday for the show when the parade was on. Let's just say people were a little distracted yesterday. They had more important things to do than record a podcast. But we are back here on the weekend for today's show that is brought to you by the Locked On NBA Live Draft Show, which is coming up this week. That's right. The NBA Draft is this week. You can catch all the experts on our Locked On Live NBA Draft Show, which is brought to you by Built Bar, which you know I'll be excited about. But you can get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today. And watch our live coverage on July 29 at 7 p.m. Eastern or 9 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, for those that are wondering. Now, joining me today, one of my absolute favorite people in the world to talk basketball with from the Technical Foul Podcast. It's been far too long, Camille Davis. Uh, I see you're sipping on some water, which means that you're at least um, trying to take care of your body after the last few days. But how are you doing? I'm good. As you mentioned, after the last few days, I need to rehydrate. So it's a lot of water going on right now. So the parade, you were there. And I'm going to have to ask you about this because, again, this is something that I'm watching from a distance. But I will say that the parade in general, I do think, is a pretty good TV event. There's some great social clips. So maybe you're not there in person. And I know there's a lot of people listening that wouldn't have had the chance to get there, but they still would have been able to soak up the excitement. Uh, There is always a standout at the parade from every single team. There is always one player that seems a little bit drunker than the rest. Seems like he has had a bigger few days than the rest. Maybe there's some carryover from the night before. For the Bucks, there's no question it was P.J. Tucker. Oh, yeah. Ace of spades. P.J. Tucker. Gold <laughs> bottle to match the gold trophy. I appreciated that that little deep, that my, minute detail of going with the very expensive uh, champagne to match the trophy. But, yeah, P.J. seemed like he was having a great time. I saw quite a few different videos throughout the parade route where people were throwing in beers. He (laughs) chugged those and then went right back to the champagne. And from everything I've heard from my friends, he did not stop the party after the parade, after the ceremony. You could have found him on Water Street frequenting quite a few different bars, actually. I did see a tweet um, from someone on Twitter just recently here a few minutes ago that someone saw that he was at Stenny's today as well. So I think he's still doing the rounds. <laughs> so I, I don't think PJ Tucker is ready to slow down yet. And I'll say this. I mean, this is a humongous human. So I think that, you know, he can handle it. He's going to be fine. He, 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 can, he can get through this. But there was one moment where I was at least a little bit concerned when he was on the stage when it looked like things could have gone really wrong and it would have been an internet moment 
for the ages. But he recovered. He recovered. He mumbled something about being dogs a few times over and over in a, in a classic speech that I think people will remember for a long time. Yes, the a very um, what's the right word to use here? It was a nonsensical speech, but every word of it still made sense because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you could feel the energy. You you got what he was talking about, and he was a joy to watch. It was really fun watching him, and also Jeff T seemed to let loose a little bit, which was interesting his outhouse to the penthouse comment uh was not expected but made me laugh it made me laugh well jeff t is such a funny character because there was at least a few times during the postseason run and i honestly from you know asking around whatever i I think it's just the way he is but there was a number of times where there would be moments during the postseason run where he'd just be sitting on the bench arms crossed didn't look like he was too into the game and i was like i wonder if this guy's pissed off that he's not playing or like i wonder what's going on here but clearly, I think, uh, you know, he was on the court in an NBA Finals clinching game, only for a minute or so, but he was on the court and uh, he won a title, something that he's been waiting for for a long time. But what else stood out to you? I mean, you saw the bus go past. Is there anything in particular that made you laugh or smile, whether it was fans, players? I mean, I'm sure there's endless things, but um, what, what, what have you got for me as someone that is just trying to live yeah. through you right now? There were a lot of different things. One thing that really stood out to me was how happy Bud looked. Because normally when we see Bud, he is looking like someone like stole his lunch money or (laughs) someone kicked him in the shin or some other (laughs) expression where he's like pondering or looking puzzled. So it was really cool to actually see him like laughing and smiling and interacting with the crowd. Like I swear he pointed at me because, you know, I had the world champ sign. So pretty sure I got his attention on that one. (laughs) But it was really cool to see Bud let loose. Um, Seeing Giannis just soak everything in was really cool. I loved seeing him at the NASA's like a little bit afterwards where he mm. stands on the Jeep that the NASA's was in. It was also really cool to see the NASA's there, although he wasn't able to come on the stage. You felt his energy like immediately once I realized that was him driving, I was like, oh there's, there's the NASA's he was just going crazy. Like he <laughs> he he was made for this moment. So I was like, I'm kind of, you know, disappointed he can't get like this a good fist pumps going on the stage with everybody. But I was happy that he was actually able to be there. So the Thanasis stuff is so funny because obviously he had his own car, whatever he was there, which is, which is great, as you said. There was something from the post game, and, and I'm not sure if you picked up on it, but watching it back again, because when it first happened and I watched the post game, I was kind of like half watching the post game, half like just like walking around in circles, whatever, just like thinking, <laughs> you know, what the hell's going on right now. And so I did miss it, but uh, Giannis looked like, and this is the funny thing about this presentation. There's this one great photo where Chris Milton has the trophy. It's sort of like zoomed out a little bit and everyone's in the photo except for Giannis because Giannis really just did his own thing. This entire presentation, mm-hmm. he was off with his family. It looked like he was FaceTiming Thanasis very angrily at one point. And, and I don't know Greek. I'm just trying to guess what he was saying, but it looks like he was saying something along the lines of, like, fuck the protocols, like, get here to the arena. You know, like, that's what it seemed like he was saying. He was frustrated that Tenassus couldn't be at the arena with the team. But the fact that he was able to still do, you know, part of the parade. And there was a great photo that uh, was taken by Jenny Fisher, which Giannis actually put on his Instagram. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. Um, Jenny Fisher, I'm pretty sure is like a local girl, I think. I'm not 100% sure. I've never met her, but she does a lot of coverage with WNBA and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, she's great. But the photo of Giannis like standing on the car and Tenassus was sort of next to him. It's a, it's a classic photo. Um, so that was a great shot by her. But the Bud stuff is interesting because I think what we've seen or what we've seen come out is how stressed 
this man has been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even this year, as the season wore on, compared to what I've experienced from interacting with him in years gone by, it's been a different level of um, seriousness. Uh, the, the answers have be- became very, very short. Uh, he, he was not in the mood to, you know, talk so often through the postseason round, particularly through the first round, through the second round. And the first time I really saw the pressure sort of release from him was after the Eastern Conference Finals when they won game six and seeing the smile on his face and how relieved he was to get to the NBA Finals. And then I do think that winning the championship obviously is next level. But the parade was great because I would say Bud is still a little bit of an um, awkward celebrator, I would say. Like when he's on the, <laughs> even on the mic after the championship, like he lets out a few noises, celebrations, but it's a, it's a little bit awkward, which I'm fine with because I wouldn't say I'm the, I would probably be very awkward as well. So I, I actually respect it. But you could tell uh, everyone knows Bud talks about it. He enjoys a, a wine from time to time. So he's on the buses. He was catching beers from the crowd he was mm-hmm. slamming them down so you could see that he was feeling pretty relaxed and i agree just seeing the smile on his face was absolutely awesome um yeah he, he deserves it can be i mean he's been through a lot and he has carried a lot and, and we've spoken about it he was so close to being fired so many times during this postseason run so for him now to to feel that i guess security and like satisfaction of coaching for so long and finally silencing some of the some of the doubt yeah, even though I did see there was a, a fire bud sign at the parade, which I was like, come on, guys. Like, we're supposed to be like, this is a celebration at this moment. Like, let's let's not go that route. All right, Camille, let's talk about betonline.ag. It feels a little strange to be thinking about talking about NBA championship odds for the next season already, but I'm sure I'm sure they're up. Last time I saw, I think the Bucks were fourth favorite. I think they're behind Brooklyn, LA. Uh, there might have been one other team in there as well, but uh, they're going to be thereabouts. And I don't think the Bucks will mind being the underdogs. Let's just say that. We learned that. But at betonline.ag, you can also find uh, all the odds info uh, for your sporting needs from not just the NBA, but MLB, uh, the NHL futures are there as well, NFL as well, UFC, MMA. Whatever you need, you'll be able to find it there. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Ben Online, your online sportsbook expert. Um, someone who was not awkward at the parade was Brandon Jennings. <laughs> Brandon Jennings looked like he was made for this moment to be out here in this parade, catching beers, drinking beers, getting his bucks and six on as much as he can. Even his Instagram, like, it just became a lot of bucks and six, like, just things that fans have drawn up, pictures that fans have found. Like, he has really enjoyed this. And being able to see him, and even Michael Red, like, being able to be involved in the festivities, for me as a fan who's watched this team for years, like, it was really cool. It was cool seeing Marcus Johnson. The best picture I got at the parade is actually of Marcus uh, going, going past. And it's just, it's really cool. I wish we could have had more alumni in the parade. Like it's, it feels like, like at this moment, like it's the first championship in 50 years. Like everybody played some part in getting us here. Like even without Brandon Jennings, we wouldn't have Chris Middleton. So like there's, everything's kind of interconnected in some way, some more, some shape. So it was cool to see them out there for me. And uh, Darwin Ham, another one. So he yeah. obviously was part of the coaching staff, but you know, he was back there on the team. We've spoke about it. Uh, the the run that they had and got to the conference final. So, you know, he's always been a fan favorite and I think become 
such an important part of the organization as well. Like you can tell that he loves the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think that that counts for a lot. And Michael Red, I'm glad you mentioned Michael Red. So this is how I would describe Michael Red and Brandon Jennings. So no one, no one has been surprised that, that watched Brandon Jennings when he played for the Bucks and followed the Bucks through those, those pretty shitty years for the team. No one has been surprised that Brandon Jennings would be the type of guy that would have his own car up front of the parade, right? I mean, no one is surprised right. by that at all. I will say I'll give him some credit because I don't think it's all been about him. I think he's got general, uh, actual genuine love for the franchise, which is absolutely awesome. But Michael Red, I, I think, has stood out to me a little bit because you know, this guy was a really, really damn good player. And for, for a lot of years, he was the guy while you watch because you're like, look, this guy might drop 40. He might drop 50. He was awesome. Unfortunately, you know, injuries cut him down. but the way that he's like described it in some of his social media posts about, you know, I went through it with this franchise. The franchise has finally won it. This is such a great moment for me. Like it actually meant something to him, even though, you know, you would have to say that there's some players that probably feel a little bit bitter that, ah, oh, man, like this team won it now. Why didn't I get a chance to do that? There's been none of that from Michael Red, which has been awesome. And the 222s clearly have a pretty good connection with Chris Middleton and Michael Red. So it's been cool to see the photos of those guys hanging out together. And then, uh, one other guy that I would mention that I feel pretty sad for is Ersan because yeah, it, it, it sucks, man. It, it really sucks. I, I did want this team to figure out a way to get him on the roster towards the back end of the season. I, I don't know, you know what led to him going to Utah, but it was a real shame that he, he really wasn't in the rotation in Utah in the postseason either. So to see him just on the bench, it's like, look, man, if this guy's going to be on the bench with any team, it should be the Milwaukee Bucks. So... I noticed that he didn't really acknowledge it on his social media at all until a Bucks fan tweeted and then he said he's got love for Milwaukee or whatever, but it sucks a little bit. I mean, this guy's been such a, such a staple of the sort of terrible Bucks teams and some great Bucks teams in the last few years, and it was just a shame he couldn't be there. I couldn't agree more. And just some fun moments. Like, Ursan's a really fun guy. Oh. And you might not expect that from him, but, like, when he was able to, like, get more, like, the Bucks coverage and the videos, I'm like, this guy's really funny. Um, in addition to what he does on the court, like, he doesn't have a glamour job or anything like that. He's really out there to, you know, shoot threes, play some decent defense, and get a charge. Because if one thing Ursan is going to do is he's going to take a charge. But seeing him not with us was – of all the former Bucks players who have played for us recently, he was probably the one at the top of my list. I, was like, I really wish he could have been here with us to get this. I mean, the man played through three different Milwaukee Bucks uniforms. Like he, he's been through three different brands. You can see Ersan in the purple and the green. You can see Ersan in the red and the green. You can see Ersan in the green and the cream. Like he is a buck through and through in my opinion. So yeah, I really was hoping that we would be able to sign him too. But when he initially got picked up by Utah, I was like, well, if it couldn't be us, hey, I'm happy as Utah. It's like a good team that's going to be on a great path. Like maybe we'll see you in the finals, but things just didn't shake out that way for, for Utah. And of course, before we move on to some actual game stuff, we are going to talk some basketball here, but Jim Paschke as well. Um, you yes. know, we know he's, he's been struggling a little bit as well. He's been feeling a bit under the weather and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully he's doing good. I sent him a note the other day. He said he said he's doing okay. He's feeling better. He's had a, few, a rough few days there with, with the COVID stuff, COVID symptoms. But, um, you know, it's a shame that he couldn't be around at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, after everything, he wasn't able to, to be there and, and be with everyone and be on the stage yesterday for sure. But I'm sure that he still would have loved it. I, he was tweeting at the start of the fourth quarter, you know, so you know that he was locked into this. So 
of course, you know, Jim's been on this show a few times. Everyone that watches the Bucks loves him. So we hope that he's doing well as well. But I wanted to talk about Drew and Chris a little bit here. We spoke about Giannis so much and we could talk about Giannis forever. And we're going to come back to that. Don't worry about that. Uh, we are going to do a mailbag, as Frank said. So I'm sure you guys will want to, I don't know if you even ask questions or you'll just tell us like what you're thinking or feeling a few days after it. But we'll start with Drew. Such an interesting postseason for Drew Holiday because I think when everyone thought about the guy or the third guy that they were trying to acquire for a postseason run, they're thinking, well, this is a guy that's going to reliably get you 20 points a night. He's going to shoot threes. He's going to score. He's going to be this, this really reliable option in the postseason offensively, which from a scoring perspective, we found out that wasn't the case and it wasn't right. close to the case. I mean, it was, a, it was a rocky road for Drew Holiday offensively. I certainly never really felt like any shot that he shot was going in. I, I didn't. I mean, and, you know, it's the nature of his shooting arc as well. He shoots a pretty flat jump shot. But the one thing that we brought up throughout the postseason, clearly the defense was absolutely elite. Elite. I didn't, I didn't even think elite is, is really doing it justice. And you talk about what he did in the finals from game two onwards, going on to Chris Paul, mm-hmm. then going on to Devin Booker for game six, which I didn't think was the move. I said I would leave him on Chris Paul. He went to Devin Booker. Booker had a a really rough night in game six. Mm -hmm. The Bucs win the title. But Drew, what what do you think of when you think about Drew Holiday in this postseason run in particular? I think that Drew lived up to what I thought he could be defensively. And although he wasn't cashing offensively, and at times he might have made poor decisions, I think overall that he was always a plus player when he was on the floor. Um, That's how good the defense was. It was really that good. And a lot of the shots that he took, they were good. They were good looks. They they didn't fall. He missed a lot of layups, a lot of bunnies, a lot of things around the rim. Um, So I was kind of like, I don't know if that's nerves, if he's tired from the defense that he's been playing. I don't know exactly what that was, but, the way that he was able to affect the game, even when his shot wasn't falling, is not that that's a sign of a great player. Like, you're not going to get discouraged because you're not seeing the ball go in the hoop. You're going to just step it up in other areas. Like, I'm going to contribute wherever else I can. I think he almost averaged double-digit assists, too. I think it was like eight or nine that he averaged um, in the finals. And it's like he, he found other ways to affect the game. And the defense that he played, he really – had Chris Paul in hell. Like it was, it was like a torture chamber of, of defense at times. And when he switched off, you know, he, he did what he could on book. And there was a couple of games where, you know, he's holding book and book just hit some really tough shots and you got to live with that. But all you can really do as a defender is try to make it as difficult as possible for the guy that you're holding, make them uncomfortable. Don't let them get into any rhythm, make them work for every single point. And Drew did that consistently throughout the playoffs. I think a long playoff stretch. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, this playoff run felt like it went forever. It's built by time, Camille. Uh, you know, I get uh, incredibly fired up about talking about the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. But did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you are simply missing out. There's, they're, they're all there. They're online. There's uh, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, just to name a few there. Me personally, uh, I like, you know, I'm a coconut guy. I don't mind coconut, but also cookies and cream, you can't go wrong there. But if you don't know which one you want, you can get a mix box. We get two 
of each of the nine flavors. So uh, one other note, actually, I was about to go to the deal, but uh, did you know Bill Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team? That's pretty cool, actually. Everyone's going to be sitting and watching the Olympics, so you can watch, you know, some guy or a woman on the uh, on the TV screen winning golds. Hopefully, not too many golds taken off the Australians, but anyway, we'll give you guys a few, and you can be eating the Built Bar that they've probably just ate before they went out on the track. Incredible stuff. Go to built.com. And use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com. I think it was Mina Kimes that tweeted that Drew Holiday was going to steal Devin Booker's armrest on the flight to to Tokyo, (laughs) (laughs) which was obviously a classic tweet um, there. Because again, I think the the point that you made, Camille, is that, and and we always make the comparison to Bledsoe, and this is not to, to... knock Eric Bledsoe, who in his own right was an elite defender with the Bucks. There's no question about that. But Drew, more versatile, can take the bigger guys, more switchable, and he makes game-changing defensive mm-hmm. takeaways, so whether it's the steals, whether it's the blocks. I mean, he's had, you know, arguably, I don't know. I, I don't know every single steal that was registered during those 70 playoff runs, but for mine right now, Drew Holiday has the most important steal in the history of this, uh, of this franchise. And he did that throughout. The poke away is his ability just to rip the ball out of someone's hands. He makes game-changing plays defensively, which was the difference. But the other thing that stands out to me, which you brought up, was the facilitating. So he averaged 8.7 assists per game in the postseason, which is, which is well up on the regular season. But of course, mm-hmm. you have to acknowledge he was playing basically 40 minutes a night. So uh, that, that's the other thing that fatigue, I would absolutely agree, had to be a factor with some of the jump shooting numbers because... Uh, you know the the toll that it would have taken on his body, you know, defensively and playing those extreme minutes. No doubt, you have to cut him some slack a little bit there. But the thing I love about his facilitating, and I was just looking up the clutch numbers before we started recording here, Camille, and I did this because I wanted to look at Chris Middleton's numbers, and we'll get to Chris in a little bit. But the number that stands out for me for Drew Holiday from a clutch perspective, and again, clutch minutes are any time that the game is within five points and there's five minutes or uh, less remaining in regulation, or the game's in overtime. And the Bucks had plenty of those games, plenty of mm-hmm. close games that they went through. In fact, there was nine games that, that had clutch minutes across the 23. So, um, you know, I mean, ne- nearly half the games were tight down the stretch. But for Drew Holiday, nobody in the NBA had as many clutch assists as this man. Wow. He had 13 assists in 44 clutch time minutes. Zero turnovers. And you, know, you mentioned, um, I'm not sure if this was a, your exact words, but you sort of mentioned something along the lines of decision-making. And I would say early in games, early in games turnovers yes. <laughs> that I was scratching my head and wondering what is Drew Holiday doing right now? But the one thing that you could always rely on when the game was on the line, whether it was hitting shots in game seven against Brooklyn or it was facilitating, this guy just did not make mistakes. Yeah, and honestly, I feel the same way about Chris, just in a different vein, where it's like Chris might have had a few games where he was cold. I think even game six to win the finals. Like, he didn't have a really great shooting game, but when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, the lead is shrinking. Chris hit a tough tough mid-range jumper to put it back up, I believe, to six which helped the Bucs just sustain the lead to, to close the game out. And it's like Chris hit – he just hits big shots. It's, it's, it's like he doesn't care what happened in the last possession, which 
is growth for Chris because we saw when he was younger, when he had a tough shooting night, you would see him stop shooting. He would just pass it off. He might be open still. He'd give the ball up a little bit and keep going from there. But as he's matured as a player, it seems like he's gotten better at forgetting the last play and just keep playing. Like, let me get to my spot. Let me try to take a right shot. And some of those right shots to Chris look tough to us <laughs> because, I mean, as, as Eric always says, tough shot express. Like, it's, it's real. It's a real thing that he, he lives on. But he gets them in rhythm. It's like he gets to his spot and he doesn't care who's in front of him. He's going to go up with it. And he came through when the Bucks really needed him to. So he, this is interesting. So I, I think you're exactly right. And I remember asking him about this and how he found a way to fight through, whether it's quiet nights, whether it's shooting slumps that he goes through. And there was always one conversation that I remember having with him. And this was, it might've been in Chicago or Indiana or somewhere. And he, he had a, a really tough night again. And this was not far after the, the game back in New York, going back a couple of years ago, Bud's first season where he was benched for the end of the game. Bucks end up losing in New York. And he was like, man, this is just me. He's like, people that have been watching me for a long time understand I'm going to go through streaks. Well, I just need to get to a point where I don't care and I don't care what people say or think and I just go out and shoot the ball. And I, and I, didn't, I don't think, I mean, I'm not a pro basketball player, Camille, just in case you're wondering, but I, I don't think that that would be an easy process to go through. And particularly when you combine the fact that this team has lost on the biggest stages. So it's, it's not like he has good memories <laughs> of, of recent playoff times where he can lean back on and say, okay. And that's why I think that this playoff run in particular, we've always wondered, well, can Chris Milton actually go to another level again? We've thought that through this year. But I think this experience and all the moments that he had, I mean, I, this guy's going to be playing with all-time confidence uh, next season coming into next year. These guys are champions. They're going to carry that through. But I was just looking at his game log. So... The game that stands out to me was in the Eastern Conference Finals back a couple of years ago in Toronto, where he only took eight field goal attempts. This game gets brought up a lot by the section of Chris Milton haters that have gone dead quiet in the last few weeks, but they, they like to bring up this game. This is the type of game that typifies Chris Milton. Well, there was only, and, and you know my stat here is kind of a little bit ruined because there's an anomaly. In game two against Miami in the first round, I can't even remember this, Miami won by 30, uh, sorry, Milwaukee won by 34 points. Chris only attempted five shots. <laughs> he was four for five. I do remember field. that. Yes. But, <laughs> but outside of that, he never dipped below 13 shot attempts throughout this, uh, throughout this postseason run. Averaged 24 points per game in the finals. And, then, and that's a guy that, that stayed aggressive. The Bucs needed him to stay aggressive. And, but even going back to that Miami series, we all remember the clutch shots. Remember the shots that came you know, towards the back end of game six here and helped clinch the championship, the game seven shot against Brooklyn. But I, I remember there was a few times in that Miami series, and it feels funny now to, to feel that there was any level of concern about losing to that garbage Miami team. But um, in game three and four on the road where you're like, okay, look, the Bucks won the first two games, but this could be it's still a series. They're going to take care of business on the road. And there was a number of occasions where Miami were looking to make you know, serious runs and they got the game back to within six points, seven points, eight points. And every single time there was Chris Milton that's just like, eh, I'm just going to hit a tough jump shot now. And then just to silence the arena. And that was the beginning of him doing that right throughout the playoffs. Yeah, he had to have Miami fans feeling like Celtics fans. Like, what, <laughs> how is Chris Middleton doing this right now to us? But it was amazing to watch. And as you mentioned, that Miami series, one, it feels like it was like months ago. Like it feels like it was so long ago. Uh, but yeah, that's where 
that's the series where it's like, okay, I think this team has figured something out. I think that first win against Miami was like there, okay, we've cleansed ourselves of whatever last year was holding on to. Let's who we know we can beat these guys. We made the right decision. Let's let's keep doing this. They won game two at home and they came in with the right mentality. Cause as you mentioned, it's one of those things where it's like, we know it's not a series until the road team gets a win. So really the Bucks did what they were supposed to do, and that's hold home court. You get to Miami and it's like, okay, now you know the fans are gonna be wild, you know, they're gonna play with juice. Role players tend to play better at home. So come so come ready. And the Bucks did. Chris answered. He answered when he had to. He answered when he had to. And the Bucks needed him to. That's the the cool thing about this playoff run to me, too, is that while every guy might not have had a great game, every one, I guess, probably except for Giannis, I think Giannis was the most consistent throughout the playoffs for the team. But even when a guy had an off night, they had other moments within, like they didn't give up on themselves. They kept playing through it. And then the next game, they might be the hero of that game for whatever reason it might be. It was really remarkable to watch how this team responded to adversity after watching them the past few years fold when it got too tough. It was really cool to be able to see them continuously find new ways to bounce back. So if there's one saying that I'm absolutely sick of, Camille, at the end of this postseason run, it's it's the, the cliche that you just brought up that the Bucks actually proved very accurate, but the whole... The series doesn't start until you win one on the road. Right. I'm sick of hearing that because <laughs> it changes when you don't have home court, right? I mean, that, that was the other aspect of this, of this championship, run. Right? is that these Bucks teams had home court advantage these last few years and you always had that, you know, they always had that feeling that, uh, you know, we've got, we got a chance here. We're going to be at home in game one. It's okay. Things will be fine. Game seven will be at home. They didn't have the luxury of that. But I think the one thing that we learned, whether it was Bud, whether it was these players in general, certainly Giannis, we've seen this now. And the first time I really noticed this in a series was against Boston in the second round in 2019, where Giannis spoke about it after the series and said, yeah, I noticed in game two that Al Horford was looking a little bit tired. And I figured if he's tired, then I'm going to be able to wear him down or something to that effect. He said something along those lines. And again, I think that we saw that. I mean, nobody was playing harder than Giannis in game six of this series. And that's what you have when you have just an athletic beast like Giannis that over the course of a series, he's going to wear guys down. And poor old DeAndre Ayton, only 22 oh, years old, just looked absolutely knackered by the end of it. And, you know, it's, uh, that, that's, that's what Giannis does to big players, when, particularly when they're asked to go one-on-one like Al Horford was back in that series and DeAndre Ayton was in this series here. And the Bucks eased their way into playoff series, I would say, generally always look terrible in game one, figured it out by game three, four, and five. So maybe that's the formula going forward. Don't worry about home court. In fact, do whatever you can not to get home court because <laughs> you're a slow starting team in the postseason. Hey, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up, Camille, but we know you'll be dragged onto this show multiple times through this, what is going to be a very short offseason, by the way. But yeah, it's, it's draft week and you can listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey featuring our list of experts, including Chad Ford, Brian Scalabrini, Ryan McDonough as well. So all you have to do is search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. So we can wrap this up, but I do have to ask and i've been feeling a little bit concerned for the bank accounts of uh, many bucks fans (laughs) 
that I know, um, firstly, those that were fortunate enough to be in the arena, I've, I've got maximum concern for, or maybe I shouldn't have maximum concern for those people. If they can afford it, then they're, they're going to be just fine. But the merchandise is, is I, I, everyone's got stuff. Did you get anything? Did you get any type of gear yet? Are you going to get gear? What are you thinking? I did. As soon as I heard the commercial, the the 2021 NBA <laughs> champion, your Milwaukee Bucks, please go to the I was like, okay, yeah, let me, let me go right now. So <laughs> I'm kind of upset about how I did it because I should have been more patient and just went to like Dick Sporting Good the next day because from everything I've heard, they've been well-stocked. Like everything is, mm. is in store. But I thought everything was going to be sold out. Yeah. So I ordered online. So I have things coming, but they won't be here for like <laughs> another two weeks. So I have to wait till I get my Bucks championship gear because I was impatient at the beginning, but I did find like some cool other shirts and whatnot too. And at the parade, there were guys walking around selling all kinds of shirts. Oh, yeah. So those guys, those know. guys don't mess around. I'm telling you. Oh no, they don't. They saw the opportunity and they took it. And I was like, I respect the hustle. I respect yeah. it. No, shout out to those guys. Uh, one other thing we have to mention before we wrap it up, because we, we did have, a listener asked the question whether we'd done an off-season preview yet. Um, now, th- that message did come within 48 hours of the Bucks winning the title. So, look, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. The draft is coming up this week. Then we've got free agency. And we're also going to be talking about this championship still for a long, long time. But uh, the Olympics is on. Our guy, Jordan War, he's over there. He's with team, team Nigeria right now, who I guess that means Jordan War is now my enemy for the next 48 hours because Nigeria <laughs> play Australia. Um, so if he can not uh, shoot any, any buckets there, that would be fine. That game is 6.20 my time, so that's 3.20 a.m. Central time Sunday morning if anyone wants to watch Jordan War play basketball against the, uh, the great Australian team. And then, of course, Drew Holiday, Chris Milton are going to be over there as well so we'll be watching the olympics we'll be seeing these guys i have no idea how drew and chris are going to have the energy to play but hey you know team usa is going to be asking them to carry the team so uh, look the olympics <laughs> is about to start camille we've got that to watch basketball is not going to stop it doesn't stop basketball never sleeps and i am very much looking forward to seeing drew holiday in international competition where he's able to be a more physical defender it's like, what can you <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> like? He was right. already mugging guys in the NBA. Like, being able to put him out there in international play is the, and the U.S. is going to need that. They're going to need that that dog at the <laughs> dog, but yeah, they're going to need him to, to be that guy, um, defensively. So, I'm looking forward to being able to see him kind of unleashed, assuming he has the energy to go all out and do what he you know we've seen him do. Shorter game, 10-minute quarters, 40-minute game. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll be out there. But, you know, again, I would have been more than happy if they decided not to go as well. So what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, it's, it's these guys, I think they deserve the rest and celebration and family time and whatever else they want to do. But, hey, as long as they stay safe, um, that's the main thing. But we'll be talking all about that as well, the Olympics, the championship. We'll have a mailbag at some stage. But, Camille, as always... A pleasure to talk to you. You're a star. Again, don't forget to check out the Technical Foul podcast. I'm sure they'll be talking plenty of bucks here and, you know, the Packers. Who knows what's going on with the Packers? The Packers are a shambles. Uh, By the way, I I sent a tweet last night, which I knew was probably going (laughs) to leak out to Packers fans that don't really know who I am. And when I wake up this morning, it, it had leaked to Packers fans that don't know who I am. And they're like, you don't even know football. Why don't you watch the Packers? All I was asking the question is, when are the Packers going to be a championship winning organization again like the Bucks? Okay, get your shit together, Packers. All right. But anyway, I upset a lot of Packers fans today. But, you know, 
stuff them. It was worth it. No, no. It was the worth box it. Of, the box of champions, whatever. Most people understood it. But anyway, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back in a couple of days. Like I said, the podcast is going to continue to roll. So thanks to Camille. Thank you to all, to all you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.